It is week 23 of Maseches Chagiga with the Sydney Kodal. Sponsored at a Nishmas in memory of Sarah Brindle by Dicheskel Halevi and dedicated at this challenging time to our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are holding the Gemara of Haftarah the of about nine lines down from the top of the page. The Gemara continues its discussion about the principle that we learnt that a utensil combines that which is within it, that items sitting inside a utensil, even if they're not touching each other, if one of them becomes Tomei, the fact that they're sitting in one utensil means that all the other items become Tomei as well, with respect to Kodesh, but not with respect to Truma. Rav Khanin last week told us that there's a pasuk that this is based on. This is a biblical law. The Torah says, Kaf achas azarazahov, one golden ladle of ten shekel filled with incense. And that pasuk teaches us from the extra word achas that the utensil combines that which is within it for the purposes of making something tome for Kodesh. However, also last week we mentioned Rabbi Akiva's position. Rabbi Akiva seems to indicate that this is a rabbinic stringency, not a biblical law, but a rabbinic stringency. So last week, at the end of the week, we explained that Rabbi Akiva might hold that on the one hand it is a biblical law, but on the other hand there are certain scenarios where the biblical law would not apply, and in those cases it is a rabbinic decree, not a biblical law. Today the Gemara gives another view. That the statement of Rav Khanin, that this combination rule is a biblical law, is in dispute with the following statement of Rav Khir Bar-Abba. The Amr Rav Khir Bar-Abba, Amr Rav Yochanan. Rav Khir Bar-Abba said in the name of Rav Yochanan, that it was on the basis of Rav Akiva's testimony, recorded in the Mishnah Adius that we mentioned last week, that we just recapped on a moment ago, that is the source for our Mishnah in Chagiga. Our Mishnah that says a Kli joins, combines that which is within it, is not a biblical law. It's actually based on Rabbi Akiva's law that we learned last week, which is definitely rabbinic. This entire thing is rabbinic. There's no biblical law in some scenarios and rabbinic law in other scenarios. The entire thing is rabbinic. Rabbi Akiva is basically the source. And it's extrapolated and extended in our Gemara here, in our Mishnah in Chagiga, based on Rabbi Akiva's Chumrah. What about the Pasuk the Rav Khanin quoted last week? That is not a biblical source. That's an asmachta. That means it's really a rabbinic law which the rabbis found the Pasuk on which to lean on, on which to indicate some basis in the Torah. But they understood that it was not a biblical law. It's fully a rabbinic law. So now in contrast to what we said last week, that this is perhaps a biblical law for some scenarios and a rabbinic law in other scenarios, now the Gemara is suggesting another view that the entire thing is a rabbinic law. The Pasuk is an asmachta. It's not a real biblical law. It's just a support for a rabbinic decree and the entire thing is a rabbinic decree based on Rabbi Kiva's ruling that our Mishneh Chagiga is then based on. The Gemara now moves on to the eighth case of our Mishnah. We've been learning through a Mishnah of 10 or 11 stringencies of Kodesh over Truma as it relates to the laws of Tuma and Tara, ritual contamination, ritual impurity. The eighth case was that when it comes to levels of Tuma, the level of Tuma that can impact Kodesh is a Ravi, whereas the level of Tuma that can impact Truma is only a Shlishi. The Mishnah said, our Ravi'i ba Kodesh puzzle. That a Ravi'i in the case of Kodesh is unfit. We explained when we learned the Mishnah that an Ava Tuma, the source of the ritual impurity, like a corpse, touches something, that thing will become, the avatum will render something a rishonatum. A rishonatum will render something a shenilatum. Shenilatum is the end of the line for unconsecrated things. Something that's unconsecrated cannot become a shlishilatum. If it touches a shenilatum, 
No big deal, nothing happens. However, things that have got a level of sanctity that are consecrated can be impacted even by touching a sheni. Truma is impacted by touching a sheni, it becomes a shlishi. And Kodesh can go even one step further. If it touches a Shlishi, it can become a Ravi. So whereas Truma that touches a Shlishi, nothing happens to it. It's not Tomei. But if Kodesh touches a Shlishi, it becomes a Ravi. We also said when we learned the Mishnah about terminology, that we have to understand that when we use the word Tomei, Tomei means the thing is contaminated and it can also render something else contaminated. So when it comes to Truma, we would regard anything that is a Rishon or a Shani, we would call it Tomei. Once it gets to a level of a Shlishi though, it's no longer Tomei because it cannot render anything else Tomei. That's the end of the line for Truma. So even though it's ritually impure, instead of saying Tomei, we say Puzzle. It's at that point invalid. It cannot be used. It's obviously Tomei, but it cannot render anything else impure. So we use a different term. We call it Puzzle. When it comes to Kodesh, Shlishi for Kodesh can be Tomei. It can not only be richly contaminated, but it can render other, other things contaminated. But once it hits a Ravi, the Ravi we no longer describe as Tomei. We call it Puzzle. We call it invalid because at that point, in the same way that Truma, that is a Shlishi, cannot render anything else invalid, so too Kodesh, which is a Ravi, cannot render anything else invalid. So the Gemara continues, Tanya, it was taught in a Brysa. Amar Abiyosi, Abiyosi said, Minayin Ravi ba Kodesh Upasal. How do we know that a Ravi in the case of Kodesh is unfit? How do we know the ruling of our Mishnah that Kodesh can be impacted even if it touches a Shlishi, it can become a Ravi and it can make it invalid? The Gemara says, the Bryce says, it's a Kavachomer, but didn't, isn't it a Kavachomer? It's logical. What's the logical deduction? If even a Mechusar Kippurim, what's a Mechusar Kippurim? Mechusar Kippurim is someone who needs to go through a ritual purification process, and they've gone to the mikveh, and they've waited until nightfall, but they need to bring a certain carbon. Whatever carbon happens to be, they have to bring a carbon, and they haven't yet brought that carbon. So that's called a mechusa kippurim. They're almost ritually pure, but they're missing just one small piece. They haven't brought their carbon yet. So the halacha is that someone who is in this position, they're a mechusa kippurim. They've done everything except for bring the carbon. Shemutar truma. Such a person is allowed to eat truma and yet possible by kodesh. And yet the rule is they're not allowed to eat kodesh. So a mechusa kippurim is allowed to eat truma, but not allowed to eat kodesh. So if that's the case, then shlishi shepasal betruma. A shlishi, which is invalid with respect to truma, because we know truma is incompatible with the tomb of a shlishi. If it becomes tome by touching a sheni, it becomes a shlishi, it's not valid. So then, enodin shiyasa revila kodesh, then is, wouldn't it be logical that it should create a revi in the case of kodesh? In other words, the tumma of a shlishi clearly is more severe than that of a mechusa kippurim. Because a mechusa kippurim is compatible with truma, because a mechusa kippurim is allowed to eat truma. Whereas a shlishi level of tumma is incompatible with truma. Because truma, which is a shlishi, is not fit. So if a shlishi is incompatible with a food, even when a mechusa kippurim is compatible, then all the more so a shlishi will be incompatible with a food where even a mechusa kippurim is definitely incompatible. In the case of kodesh, if a mechusa kippurim is not compatible with kodesh, but is compatible with truma, then when a shlishi, which is incompatible with truma, all the more so will be incompatible with kodesh. 
But Amadnu, and the Bryson now continues, Shlishi la Kodesh Torah, and we learn that a Shlishi is Tommy. In the case of Kodesh, from an explicit Pasuk in the Torah, or Ravi Bekalvachome, and that a Ravi is unfit in the case of Kodesh through a Kalvachome, as the Gemara will demonstrate shortly. Now the question is, what is this last couple of sentences doing here? The Gemara first brings a Kalvachome, the Kalvachome that we've used to prove that a Shlishi in the case of Kodesh, can render it a Ravi and render it unfit, that when it comes to Kodesh, even the level of a Ravi exists and can be rendered unfit. Why do we need then these last couple of sentences of this Brysa? And the answer is because this Kavachomer actually is open to being questioned with quite a strong question. What is that question you could ask on this Kavachomer? Generally speaking, a Kavachomer can allow you to take a stringent law found in a lenient context and extend that law as it is to a more stringent context. What's the law we're learning here? We're learning about a Shlishi in the case of Truma. And we're saying, look, if the Shlishi in the case of Truma is incompatible, then all the more so Ravi in the case of Kodesh. That shouldn't be correct. All we should be able to learn from the Kavachomer is, look, if a Shlishi is incompatible with Truma, it should also be incompatible with Kodesh. We shouldn't be able to extend it further with Kodesh. That is extending the Kavachomer beyond the confines of what is normally accepted as logical in the case of a Kavachomer. However, if we can prove that a Shlishi in the case of Kodesh is already learnt from the Torah, from a Pasuk in the Torah, then another law will kick in. What will the other law be? The other law will be if you have a perfectly good Kavachomer and you have a Pasuk that teaches you exactly the same thing as the Kavachomer, then we allow the Kavachomer to take the teaching one step further. We take it beyond the confines of the Kavachomer because we already have a Pasuk that taught us what the Kavachomer would have taught us. So therefore the Brysa comes along to tell us that we have an explicit Pasuk that already teaches us that Shlishi in the case of Kodesh is Pasuk is invalid. If that's the case, the Kalvachomer can come back and take, teach us a little bit more and teach us, look, we already have a Pasuk to teach us Shlishi is incompatible with Kodesh. So the Kalvachomer will teach us that, that actually Ravi is also incompatible in the case of Kodesh and extend the stringencies on Kodesh from a Shlishi to a Ravi as well. And that's why this Brysa finishes with these words that we know a Shlishi is incompatible with Kodesh already from a Pasuk in the Torah and therefore the Ravi, the fact that a Ravi is incompatible with Kodesh is learnt out through the Kavachoma that we just mentioned. We're going to hold it here for today. I wish you all a very good day.